0: Is the planet's ultimate game there may well be a storm brewing here tonight in many senses what can happen today we wonder
1: Dissecting the Pitch. Hey, 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 it is Friday and welcome in to Dissecting the Pitch here on Blaze Radio as well as on our Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm Gareth Kwok and I'm joined alongside my co-hosts Edwin Perez and Miller McCaney. And uh, gentlemen, another busy week of soccer action in the books. And uh, before we get our jam-packed show, we got a lot to get through today, but uh. My first question is always, gentlemen, how are you both doing?
2: Yo, yo, yo. I mean, it seems like we're saying things in threes today, so I got to start off with that. But I'm doing good. It's just such a crazy weekend of Premier League, which, which we're going to talk about. And, you know, I, I love international football, so each time I can watch that, I enjoy it. I watch the Mexico game, that 1-0 win versus Netherlands, and the World Cup qualifiers for the South America is starting and I think that's the best qualifiers in the world, but we can talk about that later.
0: All right, all right, all right. I'm doing okay. Um, really happy to be back. Um, we got a bunch of stuff to get through, so I'm just ready to get to it.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got a lot of things to get through today. And uh, we have like an additional segment as well. So uh, we're going to be trying to get through this as fast as possible. But uh, just a reminder for those that are either listening to us uh, maybe for uh, the, another time or listening to us for the very first time, it's, uh, we have our one-hour traditional show here on blazeradioonline.com, part of the Arizona State University student radio station. And uh, we also are going to post our longer version on our Apple podcast and Spotify as well. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dissect the Pitch. That's where we post all our episodes and post all of our updates and news. And so, follow us on Twitter. Indeed. Um, so, first, first thing we're going to be talking about today is the UEFA Champions League group stage draw reaction. Uh, it was released, uh, I believe, a little bit last week. And, uh, gentlemen, Champions League, we we our, our theme song. That's it is the Champions League. The champions, and uh, you know, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna dive into these groups here. Uh, we don't have to get super in-depth with all of them, but I want to get your takeaways on each and every group very quickly. So uh, let's start here with Group A and uh, Group B. Let's start with Group A with Atletico Madrid, Bayern, Lokomotiv, Moscow, and then RB Salzburg in Group A. And then in Group B, it's going to be Mönchengladbach, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, and Shakhtar. And so uh, just uh, maybe your
2: general takeaways
1: from, uh, from those first two.
2: Group B is tougher than it looks. I think a lot of people on paper said Real Madrid can easily take this group, and I think they should be able to take this group. Don't get me wrong, but you have Inter Milan, which I mean, I don't, I don't think I have to explain it or defend that. I think they're a solid team. You got Lautaro Martinez. They got, they got the attack and They have a solid quality team overall. But then when you look at Shakhtar, many people probably if you don't, don't follow soccer. Super closely are not going to understand how good they are because I mean they're always there. Like they're always they're always that team that's going to be there. They're the Ukrainian giants who kind of will shock you playing go, going to playing go to play going to play Shakhtar is such a th- difficult thing to do, and it's not something that's going to be simple for Real Madrid. And it honestly, could be one of those games where it's a loss and people are going to start questioning Zidane and and the whole system that's going on over there. And you got Borussia. Uh, Watching which is a a solid team in Germany. They're not the Borussia Dortmund, they're not the Bayern Munich, but they're one of those teams that are going to threaten you. They're they're not like an e they're not an easy team. You know, I don't think there's an easy team in that group, so that's why it's so entertaining. And if, from Group A, what I say, I mean, great matchup in Bayern Athletico. I mean, two teams that play very different football, so that'll be entertaining. But I mean, that's an easy Bayern rollout because I mean, they're such a good team. So that's that's the way I, I look at A and B.
0: Yeah, I can't say a whole lot differently uh, than that. I think both groups are pretty kind of clear cut about who's going to win. But um, I I think Edwin is right in what he said, that group B is definitely tougher than it looks. Um, Because, I mean, at the end of the day, are Real Madrid and Inter Milan going to win the group? Yes. But are there going to be games where, you know – I can't say this right, but Munch and Gladbach and Shakhtar are uh, going to put up a fight. Absolutely. They're going to be there to try and, you know, play the underdog. And and that's what those teams are best at. So I I think that um, there's going to be more competitive games. But either way, I think both of these groups are pretty chalked up.
1: Let's move on to Group C and Group D. Group C with Manchester City, Olympiacos, Marseille, and then FC Porto. Group D with Ajax, Atalanta, Liverpool, and then uh, Midtjylland. I'm going to, I apologize if I butchered that name, but uh, quick <laughs> takeaways from those two as we uh, analyze the UEFA Champions League group stage draw.
2: Uh, group C, if Man City don't dominate that group, then it's time for Pep to take a good old walk out of Manchester and uh, have a good time but probably at Barcelona in a few months. But it's, it's literally such it's an easy draw for Pep Guardiola. This is a team that's supposed to be as good as they are. And, I mean, their biggest threat is Porto, and I don't even think they're the best team in Portugal. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big SL Benfica kind of guy, especially with the window they had. So you're not going to face that the toughest team there. And, I mean, Olympiacos, Marseille, I mean, they do got their players. I mean, they got the payette in Marseille, but, I mean, that's definitely not quality enough to beat you. And in Group D, Liverpool, if you're playing like you did the other the other day, I mean, I'm not going to spoil the result just, you know, so Gareth can uh, present it beautifully. But if you play like you did the other day, you're in trouble because Ajax is always that team is going to be there. They're, they're that young team that's always going to fight and do well. And you got an Atlanta team with Duvan Sabata who they, they know how to win. They know how to win games of Champions League. I mean, they're, they're not going to be that team that's going to be in the semifinal that's going to surprise all, but they're that team that know how to score, and Duvon Zapata is one of those lethal strikers, that big number nine who knows how to score, so that's my takeaways.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with a lot of what Edwin said, um, but overall, I do think that these two groups are a lot more interesting than groups A and B that we talked about earlier, um, because those groups have two kind of giant teams in their, uh, in their group, and these groups only really have one team that's considered a best in the world uh, caliber team and a lot of teams that uh, three other teams are rather in their groups that are uh, going to be pretty competitive, I think. So uh, group C I think is probably a little bit more interesting in my eyes, just because I think obviously Marseille, Porto and Olympiacos are very close talent wise. They're always those teams that are towards the top of their league, but you know, may not be on the top every year, but they're they're close. So I think that Group C is going to be interesting to see who comes out of that group with Man City because I think a team like Porto or Marseille would probably give some other teams trouble later on uh, after the group stage. Group D, I, I think a lot of what Edwin said is right. I think, however, Liverpool aren't going to play the way that they did the other day uh, very often not saying it won't happen again, but I would say that it would probably happen at a different time and on a different stage than here. So I think Liverpool will be able to wrap this group up pretty easy. And I like, I, I, I still like Atalanta. They didn't, they didn't lose a lot of players. Uh, they had a really good season last season. Ajax really just didn't do it for me last year after they, I mean, they've just lost the Keem to Chelsea. Um, I'm trying to think. They got Quincy Promes back since he was on an injury. So, I, and Van de, there's
1: Vannebeek too.
0: Yeah, they lost Vannebeek as well. So I, I think there's, you know, obviously there's some guys that come in and out and kind of shake around the team a little bit. But uh, last year they just didn't, they didn't look like they wanted to continue what they had the year before in Champions League. Granted, they have lost players since then. Um, but the younger guys that are still there didn't really step up as much as I would have liked to have seen last season. So I like Atalanta and Liverpool and Group D. Let's
1: move on to Group E and Group F. Group E, Chelsea, Krasnodar, Ren, and then Sevilla. And then Group F, Dortmund, Club Bruges, Lazio, and then Zenit. Uh, Miller, I'll let you start first on these two. Where what's your quick takeaway?
0: Okay, my quick takeaway is why couldn't United have been in one of these groups? But but to be honest, these groups are uh, – I would say out of all the groups we've talked about so far, Groups E and F are definitely the easiest groups, I think, uh, to be in just because obviously Group E, they have Chelsea, and then really and truly R- Rennes, R- Rene, whatever you – however you say it. I'm not <laughs> French, obviously. Uh, but them and Sevilla, I think – are going to probably fight for the second spot, but I think Sevilla will be able to wrap it up pretty easily. Although they don't really do off like do well often in champions league. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they play. Uh, Group F is just, wow, it's terrible. Um, Dortmund obviously is going to win this group, um, but it's another case where these are some teams that, you know, do pretty well in their domestic leagues. Obviously, they're in the Champions League, so they're here. But, uh, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of star talent on any of these teams. They've got a couple of young guys. um, You know, Lazio's got some players, a pretty good goal scorer as well. Um, But, I don't know, I think it'll be interesting to see who gets second place in uh, in these groups, but I don't think whoever gets second place in either of these groups will be able to go very far. There go Garrett Quak. How about
1: how about group G and then group H? Edwin, I'll let you take the floor because Barcelona is with Juve in group G as well as with Dynamo uh Kiev. I'm gonna guess that. And then Fereng Varos and then group H, Istanbul with uh, Istanbul with Manchester United, PSG, and then RB Leipzig. How about Edwin? I'll let you take group G. Miller can take group H on this one.
2: Uh I, I before I do respond I do want your quick you know quick reaction clock group E and F, talk, talk to me what wh- what team are you liking in those two groups
1: Uh I like that Krasnodar team a lot it's a big okay. over- yeah. keeper
2: uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. I do <laughs> um, like that pick
1: I, I I I'm looking forward to seeing maybe a Chelsea if they can if they can keep going with that chemistry with their new stars if they can move on into the knockout stage that would be fun to see but um, as well as Dortmund, they got that young talent as well, which uh, <laughs> we do a great job foreshadowing on this show. So we're going to be talking more <laughs> Dortmund later. But uh, Edwin, how about Messi and Ronaldo in this same group,
2: huh? I just had to give you some love, you know, You know, I Gareth. I, you know, I had to make. I had to just keep you on your toes. And uh, now back to me, uh, grit. Group H is the group of death. I'm gonna let Miller talk about that, but terrible draw for Manchester United fans. I mean, they might not even escape it, depending on if R. B. Livesley can play the way that they did last James League. Not saying that they are, but if they can. Um, group G, though, I mean, it's the Messi Ronaldo matchup, and it's the one that everyone's gonna be watching. Everyone, you know, cares about, and it. it's gonna be entertaining. I mean, the the winner of those two matches and how the, how it goes, you know will win the group. And I think, you know, the loser of those matches will be the second place. That's going to be natural. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Barcelona do. Because, I mean, the way that they've been playing so far, I mean, it's way too early to tell. But the young players are showing up. Uh, people are figuring out Coutinho is actually playing like he's supposed to be at Barcelona. So things like that are clicking. I mean, the one main question is still why. How, Where's Griezmann and what he's doing before Barcelona? Because, I mean, there are still question marks. But, I mean, it's it's entertaining. You know, what all fans want to see is Messi versus Ronaldo, and we're at least going to get that at the group stage. So it's entertaining. But I'm excited to hear what Manchester United fan feels about the group of death in the Champions League.
0: Well, Edwin, I don't have an exciting answer to give you (laughs) from a personal standpoint. But to be honest, this group, man, couldn't have had worse luck. Um, I, it's really tough because there's so much history, like, with some of these teams being in Champions League. Like, obviously, Man United and PSG played each other uh, two years ago in Champions League, and Man United escaped by the hair on their chin. So, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see um, – because I think, and I want to say this without any judgment, but I think Istanbul is going to be the most important team in this group. Yeah. Because if there's any chance that they come to play and Leipzig, United, or PSG just have an off day and they can take some points away, that's going to be where the points are lost. And that's going to be deciding who's going to take – uh, the top of the group not not who's going to beat each other head to head but how Istanbul does um, so I, I think it'll be interesting to see obviously Leipzig are a really scary team to play right now even when they lost Timo Werner they still managed to win the game late in Champions League so that was really impressive so I, I'm interested to see how they come into it this year and how they look also PSG as well because you know they have their good moments and they have their bad moments just like everyone else Um, Man United is obviously having a very bad moment at the time after uh, losing a game last week to Tottenham. So, I I don't know. I think it's a really interesting time for all these teams to be playing each other. So, I'm just really excited to see what happens.
2: I I mean, I got Aston Boo winning the group. But, you know, that's just a personal Mm -hmm. thing. (laughs) Dark Dark Horse Champions League winner right there. (laughs) A
1: Dark Horse uh, candidate indeed, says Evan Perez. And uh, Miller. Manchester United plays PSG Tuesday, October 20th. Mark your calendar
0: for that, bud. Oh, it's it's definitely marked. <laughs> definitely marked.
2: <laughs> oh, the great promo by our own Garrett Kwok. Absolutely.
1: Got to let the listeners uh, have something to look forward to, you know. But uh, that was our group stage draw reaction of the Champions League first games and uh, match day one, beginning October 20th and on Wednesday, October 21st. It's just coming up soon. I, I just realized on my calendar. So nice uh, <laughs> thank you. Let's <laughs> move on to our Premier League weekend rapid reaction. Uh, we, we, we were had it. We had a more, more time to talk about it last week. I'm going to try and keep you guys a little bit more on schedule this time, but uh, we got three games that we're going to go over this week. Uh, and today let's start with Everton taking a four 2 win over Brighton, two goals from James Rodriguez. And uh, I mean, Again, we talked about them last week, but I think it's hard to ignore how good their start has been so far. Uh, with with so far being in first place right now in the Premier League with the those four straight wins.
2: Uh, you didn't ask. Uh, how fun is this team to watch? Come on, Guac. You got to stick to the <laughs> stick to what was said. But uh, I'm going to answer that question. They're a very fun team to watch because I mean, uh, the thing about you know, Premier League is not that you have to be the best superstar. You just have to be be playing well and do your role beautifully. And I think that's what Everton is doing. Every player is not the top superstar in the league, you know. I mean, when you think of strikers, I think not fairly so for Richarlison, but you think of Harry Kane and things like that. So, I mean, I think they're a fun team because everyone's doing their role. Hamas um, is just – he's finally getting into his groove. This is the homage we want to see, and they—he finally has a manager who lets him do what he wants. So, how fun is this team to watch? Very fun, Gear Clock.
1: Well, uh, another team, I guess that you know, that <laughs> Everton's a fun team to watch. Miller and Manchester United you couldn't really say that this past weekend when they got thrashed by Tottenham, uh, six to one. That was. That was a tough one for Miller to watch, I'm sure. And uh, Miller, is this just is this just another instance of United having a, a slump, or is this uh, something uh, out of the ordinary that you're recognizing from the way they played against Spurs?
0: So I'm going to be honest. Um, I think if you know you watch the game and you saw what happened, there's a penalty scored in like the second minute by United. United are up 1-0 after two minutes, so it's, it, it can't be looking better than that. And then, you know, they score, you know, I a penalty, a bad penalty, not a penalty, but a, a red card, I guess you could say, um, which really didn't make any sense to me because, you know, they're in the box for a corner kick, and there's a lot of pushing and shoving going on, and, you know, players are draped all over each other like uh, raincoats, so I, I don't know. I, I think that I think that it was a bad red card to give away. I understand why it was given away. I think it was a bad one. And that definitely resulted in the way that the game finished because what most people don't understand is they look at the scoreline and they say, okay, wow, United are bad. But the thing is, I I want to relate it to another sport because – that might be easier to understand because when you're playing soccer and you have nine outfield players and the other team has 10 on defense, they're always going to have one more player open to pass to. So relatively they should never lose the ball. And then when you're going on offense and you only have nine players, every single one of your players should be covered because they have 10 guys and they can leave the striker up top for a counterattack. So it's really hard to play that tactically, and it's really hard to not concede like that. And the other sport I want to kind of uh, compare it to would be basketball. So if you ever played basketball, imagine playing five on four basketball. Imagine how tough that would be, right? Like you're sitting there saying we have no chance because they've always got one more guy. So it's tough in transition and things like that. If you lose the ball, if you make a mistake, it's probably going to cost you. So I don't know. This game was just very frustrating to watch because of the red card that was so early um, that it influenced the game that much. So I think it would have been a much better game, a lot closer game, if, it, if the red card hadn't have happened. Um, but saying that, I mean, it's tough because like Edwin kind of talked about the Everton game a little bit, um, none of the top teams right now, and this is kind of leading into the next question. I'm sure that you have Gareth on the rundown, but, uh, none of the top teams right now are really playing that well, to be honest, every game that you think, okay, this should be chalked up already. It's not the only team that's really playing really well right now and is in their best form as everton. Everton are having Everton are the best team in the league right now because of the way that they're playing. So, if you can find someone that they can beat Everton, then we'll talk. But for right now, it's it's tough for all the top teams out there.
1: Before I move on, and you make a great point about that 5 on 4 because I don't know if you remember earlier this year, do you remember what, what we when uh, our basketball team was down a man five on four?
0: <laughs> because I couldn't play. I yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For those that are just learning this, Miller, we were about to play a, a playoff game in in real basketball five on five, and uh, Miller apparently wasn't a registered player on our team, and so he was ruled ineligible by the the Tempe referees, and so we had no other guys on our team at that point. I think we only had. I think we brought maybe exactly five people. And so Miller was ineligible. We had to play five on four.
0: How'd that go, Gareth? We almost won. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> we almost uh, won. You know we did. Well, if only, if only Griffin didn't foul out there with maybe uh, 12 seconds left and forfeit us the game, but that's okay.
2: Yeah, you know, that's a
1: good fight. But, yes, to your point, um, pretty hard to play with a man down. And uh, Everton uh, being the one team right now, the team to beat, but there could be a team – that is on their heels right now, and uh, I'm going to transition this to Aston Villa taking the seven to two win over Liverpool. You like that transition, Edwin Perez? Seven to two, seven to two win. I should say um, that is not a typo. Seven wins, uh, a hat trick by Ollie Watkins, two goals from Salah, but yet this was just a, a, a shootout for at least for Aston Villa. They were having fun. And uh, pretty pretty embarrassing for manager Jurgen Klopp. And um, I mean, I just any one of you can start on this one. But how do you how do you move on from such a, a, a really embarrassing performance on part of, of Liverpool? And um, again, the the defense just not being consistent once again.
2: Uh, first, you know, I have to say a few, uh, a few points before I get there. Uh, one, Gary Clock, we get it. You play basketball and you're a baller. You know, I so see, I just see you. You had to flex that off. Oh, uh, we get it. Um, secondly, um, you know, maybe Miller, you know, this is just a re- just recommendation. I wouldn't put the house, the, the kitchen sink into a Premier League game right now, the way the teams are playing, you know. I think you would have to kind of hold back on that. So um, I, that's what we're learning. But I would say Aston Villa. Like, yes, they look good now. Yes, they, everyone's going to be saying this is the team to beat. I think this is just one of those things where it was a hot run at the right moment and then they're going to fall. Because I'm not going to fall into that trap, just like, because at one point last year, no one recognizes, but West Ham was a top four team at one point at the start of the year. And they look like, oh, wow, they look like a team to beat. And then they were fighting for relegations by the end of the year. And I mean, you have international break where, I mean, those players, I'm not going to say that they're not going to get out of form, but it ruins, you know, the mojo you have going as a team that, you know, that kind of chemistry, that kind of vibe. so. I mean, just that situation alone. I don't think Aston Villa is a team to beat. But how do you bounce back from a big loss? I mean, you just you just recognize who you are and you need to move forward. I mean, team This the re the reality. It's going to happen once in a while that a team gets absolutely thrashed. No one's going to talk about the Barcelona Bayern game now because of what happened to Aston Villa Liverpool. And if any Liverpool fan brings it up, Barcelona fans, look, you lost to Aston Villa. We lost to a Bayern Munich team. I mean, there's there's differences. I mean, uh, when Brazil lost to Germany seven to one, they didn't. They didn't back down. They recognized who they are, and they the next tournament they were in, they won. That was the Copa America, and now they look like one of the best teams in the world. Barcelona lost eight to two. Messi's about to leave. Blah 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 blah. Now they're looking like a good team that has their young players performing the way they need to. Continues finally in that role that he needs to be in. There, they're moving forward. They actually got a young right back, and they're building the blocks. So I mean, yes, you you take that hit is what it is but it's just one game you know in one game I mean you lose four you lose one zero you lose seven to two I mean it's still you're getting zero points all our team's getting three points so he's taking on the chin you know you're Liverpool you're going to perform better and you're a better team you got a great manager so just move forward is basically what I would say
1: yeah it's it's going to be whether they can they can move on and, and find a way that regain some of that consistency because it's uh it, it hasn't been it always it hasn't been the most consistent start for them so far uh, this season they, they got the 9 points, 3 wins out of the, their four games right now but um, again with the international break going on We'll see if they can regain their club form, not this weekend, but the next weekend when uh, that they're going to be playing Everton, as a matter of fact. So that should be a, a great matchup, Saturday, October 17th, 4.30 in the morning. Edwin, are we going to get it up for that one? Oh, of course. You know I'm always down. You know what? I, I, I Usually I don't get up for 4.30 in the morning games, but for that one, I may we might have to pull an all-nighter, bud.
2: <laughs> you know, I've, I've always wanted to do it. I, yeah, we, we're gonna
1: you're gonna be playing FIFA 21 until probably two or three in the morning. We'll get a one hour nap, and then uh, it's time to watch some Everton Liverpool, baby.
2: <laughs> There's a, uh, you know what they say, uh, you sleep when you're dead, so I mean, you've got to keep going, baby. There's 24 hours in the day for a reason.
1: They, as uh, as one, someone <laughs> eloquently uh, said, YOLO. Um, let's move on to our, our next segment here, which is we got more transfer grades to, to give out. So, uh, Dr. Perez, Dr. McCaney, time to put on your thinking caps, your teacher caps. Once again, we got four more players to grade here, four, probably four of our last players, but for a while at least, as the window has officially closed. But uh, let's begin here with uh, one of the big soundings uh, leading up to the ending, to the, the, the conclusion of the window was. Tomás Partey from Atletico Madrid to Arsenal, the Ghanaian uh, center defensive mid, uh, big physical midfielder. The Arsenal snags him for 50 million euros. Uh, they loan out Matteo Gunduzzi, Lucas Torreira. Uh, Torreira goes to Atletico in that process. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll start, You anyone can start actually in this one, but Arsenal, you know, that midfield, they've been you know, they've been they've been rotating their their formation. They sometimes they go three in the back, sometimes they go with four, and that that midfield has been sort of been moving around. But is he there to stay? What do you think of him going to Arsenal? And and what grade would you give?
2: Gareth, I'm gonna let you start first because hear me out. I, I have a proposition. You know, I'm gonna let you go first on this one because you're gonna become the Arsenal expert today, and then I have the Barcelona expert. Then we're gonna ask the Man United expert to go back to back. So you know, I think it's only fair that you grade the first one first.
1: Wow! All right, gonna put me on the spot here, the <laughs> moderator on the spot. Look, I, you know, I think off the just uh, from a base face value standpoint, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a B plus. Okay. Give a B plus, I think fifty million. That's a pretty big price for for party, but I think he could be a he could be a a, a good solid force, like a rock in that in that back midfield. He's got that defensive minded presence and for Arsenal anything defensively if it's an upgrade on defense they'll they'll take it i think at this point so i think for for him they they i think with the way that midfield's just been sort of moving around they could use somebody that will just be locked in and uh and and be grounded at that at that spot so i think um b plus for now and uh okay. i think we'll go from there
2: okay not bad not bad dr clock i see you um I'm going to agree with some of your favorite boys of all time. That is the ESPN FC crew. And when they said it, it seemed like a uh, more of a last second thing where they're like, they didn't get the player they wanted. Cause I think they wanted who are, I came and say his name, right. But it's the four <laughs> letters, you know, so, so, so hard to say. Yeah. It's so small, but I mean, it seemed like they wanted him. They wanted basically they wanted Zaha at one point. They wanted war. They wanted something they wanted. They they've been linked to a party once but then it seemed like nothing was going to happen and then all of a sudden in deadline day they're, they're desperate to sign someone because like you said they, they made the move so um, they needed to bring someone and you know who has a release clause that we kind of liked party I mean he's not not a terrible player don't get it wrong I think he's going to be a solid player for us you know, depending on the role that they play him but I think he's not going to have the season I think a lot of fans want because I mean we look at Nicholas Pepe everyone expected him to be the next I mean, basically, Mape. I guess if you're if you're talking about Arsenal, maybe the next Terry Henry, but he he's not, and I don't think he he will be. But now he's getting more into his role, so I think the Arsenal fans are going to hype him up. And for those reasons, I'm gonna give him a B, B minus. You know, because I don't think they got the player they truly wanted, and they just ended up with option B. So you know, I'm gonna give it a B, B minus personally. But uh, I'm gonna pass it on to Doctor Miller, a great a great teacher who's been in this game for a while.
0: All right. All right. Um, (laughs) Thanks for the introduction, but I I would say to start this one off, I'm going to give this move a B plus. I I think that there's a lot of potential here. I think that obviously anytime you go out and get a guy that's experienced in Champions League as well as one of the best leagues in the world and he's a proven player, I think that it's going to be a good move. So I I first want to start off with saying that, but Now to really dive into it, the biggest thing we all know about Arsenal is that they have no defense whatsoever. So I think that getting a center defensive mid helps that a little bit, but it also makes me scratch my head because Arsenal play so many wings and wing defenders that they can only afford to play so many midfielders at a time and their defense is still not great. But, however, they did get Gabrielle at center back, so that was a big addition. And hopefully Thomas Party can be a guy that can step in there and do what he's done at Atletico, which is be the transition killer and really just get in there and make some challenges and not be scared to, you know, do the job for the team and and be the guy that runs around and is not really – I wouldn't say the engine, but more of an enforcer that can kind of run around and just make sure that they're keeping possession a guy that can, you know, really play some defense when they need to too. Um, but it hasn't really, you know, scored or assisted a whole lot of goals in his career. Um, so I, I don't know if he's going to have the biggest influence in the midfield, but defensively, hopefully he can help them out a little bit.
1: Enforcer. I like that. I like that. Chemistry style that you, you came up with there. Uh, they don't have a chemistry style called Enforcer in FIFA, but uh, that's another conversation for another time. Oh uh, let's let's go the Sergio Dest, uh, who goes to Barcelona from Ajax for 20 million euros. He's the, the right back of the future. They they call him there, and uh, he's replacing Tomato from that spot. Tomato, we reviewed him last week. He's now at uh, Wolves. But uh, Sergino Des, representing uh, the USA in international play, but he uh, his, his, has Dutch ties as well. His mom is Dutch, and then you, you got the link there with Ronald Coleman, the new manager. <laughs> he's, he's Dutch as well. So uh, let's, uh, let's go to our Barcelona expert here, Mr. Edwin Perez, or I should say Dr. Perez.
2: Uh, you know, you know what they say. His mom is Dutch, of course. Coming is Dutch. You know, that's just it's just a truly a great saying right there. Uh, <laughs> I just love that phrasing. Oh God, uh, it's more of a, it's a joke. What happened before the show? But what I'll say about this movement, I'm gonna give it an a A minus. I know Miller may disagree with me, but I'm gonna give it an A minus because we're gonna look at it in the Barca terms. They had a right back in Semedo who d- didn't play the way, the way that they wanted and they exceeded him to do, and since he didn't fit that system, he would get exposed completely. I mean, if you watched that Bayern Munich game, I think Semedo would get a 1.0 as a FIFA rating, just you know, to put it in terms that we like to do. So things like that, they they, did, they had a right back. They didn't truly fit their system. You bring in Coleman he's going to be your coach, in my opinion, only for a year because the, the Barcelona president situation just got interesting with the votes, but we can talk about that next week because that's gonna happen more next week or two weeks. But that situation you, you get a player who he, he knows the coach, he knows what he demands, uh, in a sense like they they know the play style that they each want because you know the, the Dutch link up like you said. I mean you have a young guy, the thing that I give him in a- minus is cause he's raw. You know, he still needs to develop more. He needs more defensive and I think Barcelona's gonna ask a little too much early on, but he's gonna learn and he's gonna adapt and be able to fill in that slot at right back better than Sergio Roberto and Smedo. So that's why I am giving it A minus. I don't I'm not going to give it an A because I think people are calling the next Danny Elvis and I want them to pump their brakes a little bit. We need to calm down. The kid's so young right now and he's still developing. He still needs to get to that point, but I think he could be a great right back for Barcelona for years to come. And it's pretty cheap for what could be a your right back of the future. So, I mean, I think it's just a great move overall.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's a good point. I really like how you said, let's, let's hold off on the Danny Alves comparisons and and hopefuls. So uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest, it, it's kind of tough right now, um, you know, to, to say what's going to happen because, you know, this is a player that's, you know, played well, but it's still a bit unproven in a lot of people's eyes. So I think that this will be a good place for him to either break or grow. We've said many times that Real Madrid and Barcelona are kind of uh, places where iron sharpens iron or it breaks. So we're going to see what happens here with Sergio Destin. And we're hoping that, you know, he comes out of the fire as one of the best right backs in the world. But, I mean, we're, we're going to see. So I, I really think that this is a decent move. Um, I think that, you know, obviously Coman going for a lot of dutch players and that's kind of how he wants the squad to turn out but i I think that this was one of the better signings and i think this is uh a good way to start is by getting more youth which is the way that barcelona has been going for you know the better part of the last year now so i am gonna give this one probably a b plus as well
1: all right high high grades from our from our professors uh who've had over 20 years of experience so you'd love to see that aspect um, all right, we're going to go to a couple Manchester United, uh, signings here now. And, um, Miller's shaking his head. No, let's go to, your, let's go to a good one that we, we talked about before the show. Let's go to Alex Telles, uh, a left back, um, from FC Porto United gets him for 15 million euros. That sounds like a pretty darn good price for a, a very proven left back in the, in the world, Brazilian, um, you know. People say he's more of an offensive-minded left-back. That's kind of his, uh, his playing style. But uh, Miller, for a United team that has had a lot of defensive woes, of course, Luke Shaw's been at United for for quite some time, been anchoring that spot with uh, Alex Telles. What's your grade for him?
0: Gareth, yeah, all I can say is this is a sigh of relief for United fans everywhere. Um, finally got a pretty good signing that, that's proven that the team can feel good about, the fans can feel good about. Um, I honestly don't see a way that his game doesn't transition well to the Premier League. He's been very offensive. Uh, if there's a Premier League player, I'd have to kind of uh, compare him to right now. I'd say the biggest one would probably be – actually – Not even right now. I want to go back a couple years for this comparison, but the comparison that I would give uh, Tellez would be a Leighton Baines, sort of a a left back role, A guy that's uh, assisted a lot of goals. He's a decent uh, set piece taker for his team when he needs to be. And he provides a lot of help out on the wing. So I, I really like that for United. Luke Shaw is obviously not very good whatsoever so I'm surprised that he's been there this long, but um, I think that Tellez is really probably the top guy that you could you could go out there and get at this position today. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of better left backs in the world uh, than Alex Tellez. I think he's a top five left back in the world. I think obviously Alfonso Davies, and there's some other guy. Jordy Alba's probably up there as well. There's some other guys that are pretty good. But I I think he's in the top five to 10 left backs in the world right now. So really good to get that on your team, Um, especially when you're fixing to go into Champions League. And it's kind of been rocky here and there. I I think it's a really good grade and I'm going to give it an A minus. And the only reason I'm not going to give it an A or an A plus would be because like you said, he's a little bit more offensive minded. And I think that the defense has been where United is struggling a little bit right now. So I don't know if it helps out 100%, but it's going to be a very good addition,
2: I think. Sorry about that. I didn't know if Dr. Kwok was going to say anything. But uh, what, I, what I'm going to say is that I think it's a great move. I love Brazilian players, and I have a little bias toward them. But what you said I think is key. Is It's uh, the players that are available at the position realistically that you can get. Who are the best and I think right now the compare the two that you have to compare is Alex Telles and Gr- Grimaldo we both playing the Portuguese league both play not similar but they they're different in their ways but I mean if you talk to any Benefica any Port- Porto fan even Benefica fans will agree Alex Telles has the advantage right now so I think just that move as a whole for Alex Telles is huge for his career I think it's going to boost him I mean the Premier League that it's going to make or break you, and I think he's going to succeed in that role. So I'm truly excited to see what happens with him. I truly do think he's the offensive mighty, like you, like you said, and, I, and that's kind of the Brazilian way with Marcelo. So I think he's following in that footsteps, and I think he's a top-ten left back that's going to be a top five by the end of the year if he plays the way he should, which I think he will. So I'm going to give him a – I'm going to go eight minus, because I do like Alex Ellis quite a bit.
1: Yeah, Brazil. That Brazil link. He's got. Uh, he's going to be thrown into a, a bit of a sticky situation already, considering United's uh, defensive troubles already. So uh, again, he's not the he's not the the best defensive uh, defensively, but offensively, he could give them a, a good boost, and uh, maybe he could give them a good spark, momentum wise. And that's the hope for old Gunner as uh, we move on to another guy another transfer signing that old gunner is hoping pans out it's edinson cavani the former psg striker uh uruguayan of course and uh, he goes to manchester united uh for free it's a free transfer some are already making comparisons that it's it's a similar to zlatan's lining, signing like about maybe three or four years ago um and so let's let's return to our our manchester united expert here Miller McCaney, Doctor McCaney. So, Edison Cavani—he's getting up there in age. He's in his uh, mid-thirties now, and uh, you know, still, still a, a great scorer, but maybe not as good as he used to be in the, a couple of years ago. But uh, maybe does he still have his best days ahead of him? And what grade would you give Cavani?
0: I—this re- is such a tough one. Um, I—I'm going to have to probably go with a b minus grade here gareth um and the reason being is the age um he signed until 2022 so it's about a year and a half contract um the biggest thing being that we pay or not we rather man united paid Cavani a lot of money for his services a lot more than they probably should have especially because he's a free agent so you you didn't necessarily have to buy him out or pay a transfer fee or anything like that um so I think that that part is really kind of what irks me as a as a grader here because I think that it was a little unnecessary uh United did have a need for another striker didn't necessarily need to be of the quality of Cavani. It could have been somebody a little bit lower. Cavani, I think, is still a good striker in my head. He's, he's you know, a bigger guy, a, phys- a physical guy, um, can win the aerial battles for you, things like that. So I think that's, that's something a team could always use. So I, I think it's a decent signing in that sense. But at the same time, He's been injured. He's missed about 36 games in the last two seasons or so. And um, that's a little bit kind of concerning. Uh, but the, the, the best thing that, that you wanted to hear was when Cavani's agent came out and said he signed for United because he wants to show PSG uh, how they made a mistake in letting him go. So I I think that that's going to be pretty interesting to watch if he gets if he gets some playing time against PSG in the Champions League early on. I I think that that story will be uh, developing into something pretty interesting if he can get some playing time. So right now I'm going to give it a B minus, but I give it the potential of a B plus depending on how he plays and how long he stays healthy for.
2: That is fair. I don't. I'm not gonna add too much because you know I think uh, you covered it well. I'm gonna give it a C plus just because it is free. I mean, it's not like you went out and had to spend money. I mean, I mean, I mean, worst case scenario, he's just a free guy, takes some wage. He's on your bench, and I mean, he can help the young stars and talk to them because I mean, Kamani has that knowledge. I mean, best case scenario, he's your backup number nine that's, you know, lethal off the bench and can help you in big situations like the Champions League, which he can prove that he can score. So, I mean, things like that. But obviously, it's not a a move that's going to make Man United fans go and buy that Kamani jersey because they're not like I've been waiting for Kamani. They're more waiting for Sancho. If that ever happens, then I'll tell you that it's going to sell out really quick. But I don't think Kamani that kind of guy. So I'm giving it a C plus
1: a c plus that's the lowest grade so far out of these four i heard uh miller that they're manchester united they're going to give cavani the number 7 jersey which is uh ironic cuz that could have been jadon sancho uh this summer or this fall i guess
0: yeah I, I definitely shed a tear after that one but what what can you do you know
1: what can you do well thanks again to our uh, our our um our doctors in the field they've been so They've been, they've been studying the sport for such a, a long time in their lives, and uh, they can provide some expertise on these transfer grades. I know I'm stretching it out here, but uh, we, we give our – that's our grades for Thomas Partey, Sergio Dest, Alex Telles, and then Edinson Gavani. Of course, the transfer window has now closed, and so it, the, the whole whirlwind of the transfers and of uh, players getting moved is finally – coming to an end for now until we reach the winter transfer window. And that should be uh, another fun conversation for next time. But uh, let's move on to our next topic here. And that's, uh, let's, uh, let's move on to the United States in the Bundesliga. We've had some really fun U.S. players taking the spotlight so far uh, in, in the past couple of weeks in the Bundesliga. And we got two to, to talk about here and, and discuss maybe why you should be looking out for them and, and what, what, what are our, um, our panel here between Edwin and Miller, what they have to think and say about them. Let's start with uh, Chris Richards here the, from Bayern Munich. He's only 20 years old. He's a defender and uh, already he is being thrown into the starting 11, an FC Dallas product. And uh, he's already from what, um, Already reporters are saying he's already looking to be making a case as the starting right back over Benjamin Bavard, which is saying something. Had an assist to Lewandowski in the win over Hertha Berlin. And so um, for any one of you uh, gentlemen, what do you think this says about him and and the confidence Hansi Flick has in him to, have, to start a guy only 20 years old? He's playing on the best team right now in the world, Chris Richards.
2: I mean – first I do got to address I do enjoy every time we get the intro to a new topic it's like we ha- we just start the episode I mean talking to the panel that is <laughs> and President Miller McCainy. we were introducing a new panel every time last time it was Dr. Miller and Dr. Edwin this time it's Mr. Edwin and Mr. Edwin uh Mr. Miller McCaney. so I just do just kind of address that that much and uh <laughs> yeah. I, I I just got to keep him on his heels, you know. I, I always like to do Look, that. It gets, it
1: gets it gets a little <laughs> bit mundane just saying Miller and Edwin all the time. I gotta gotta spice things up here. That's what I
2: you know, mean. but you know, you could just move on to the next topic because I think people know. And, you know, if if you're listening to us, you know who Miller McKeeney and Edwin Perez is, and you know who Garrett Kwok is. So, I mean, but I'm going to talk about the American. No worries, I'm not going to give you any more harsh things. What I will say about Chris Richards is. He's, he's surprised, I think, a lot of uh, people because, I mean, when you talk about Americans, you're more excited about uh, Sargent. You're more excited about this. You're more excited about Adams, things like that. And Gio Reyna, I mean, the, the name we're going to talk about next. But uh, Richards is not that guy that your people are, are truly, like, fawning over, which, which is kind of crazy. But now he's so slowly becoming that because, I mean, Americans are making it big in Bundesliga, and he looks like he's going to be another one. Uh, what, can, what I can say about the player, the one, my one question is his physicality. I, I don't think he, he has that physicality, but again, you're playing, um, um, if you're looking at it through an American lens, you're facing Mexico as your best uh, uh, kind of uh, opponent, and they're not known for physicality. I mean, you can ask any Mexican fan, that's not <laughs> their focus. They're more quick, speed, like uh, crossing a situation like that. And what Chris Richards does is he's an aggressive. He's an aggressive defender, which could be good or bad. It could be good because he gets over aggressive and he's gonna leave those passing lanes open on accident and he's gonna overexpose himself. And uh, well, that's bad. The good thing is he can, when he's aggressive, he's gonna block those passing lanes at times and and create good defensive plays, blocking a great opportunity. So it's the mix of both that's interesting for Chris Richards. But I mean, for him to cause this um, situation over Pavard, because Pavard's a solid right back. Um, and just, just that, that speaks words to what Richard's doing. But I mean, as an American fan, I think you'd be a little annoyed because you have Adams, who's a good right back, you have Sergino Des, who's a good right back, and now you're going to add another one. Um, they need help in other spaces. Christian and is just not just going to uh carry the team with three right backs. I mean, I mean, obviously they have their other players, but they need, they need that type of quality in like other situations, other center backs, other left backs, and you know, other positions. So it, you know, it's great to see. But I mean, it, one American I'd be more excited for is Connor De La Fuente. We're not going to talk about him today. Not, that's an exciting guy over at Richards, but uh, you know maybe next time because I didn't. I didn't know we we're going to talk about the Americans in the Bundesliga. I promote some Americans in La Liga, but that, that that's just my opinion. But I had to pass it to my other panel member, Mr. Miller McCainy. Uh, first of all, uh, great to meet you. I mean, I, I met a guy that's pretty similar to you, like Dr. Miller McCaney, but it seems like you're a new person in Mr. Miller So I just want to say, uh. Great to meet you, Miller.
0: Oh, nice to meet you, too. I have absolutely no clue who you're talking about, (laughs) as I only respond to the title of mister. So, um, talking about Chris Richards here, I want to be honest. I think it's really interesting, but I, I don't think that you can really put too much on what people are saying about this kid yet because something that Bayern Munich really likes to do a lot more than other teams is play their youth. Because, yes, they are the best team in the world and they know that they have the Bundesliga wrapped around their fingers so they can afford to do that from time to time when they have, you know, a guy get injured on the wing or if they have a guy get injured at striker. If Lewandowski says, you know, I need a game off, they, they can afford to do that. And the last season they did that with a guy named Joshua Xerxes as well. Uh, he was a pretty young guy, played striker for a couple of games. But, I, I mean, there's there's tons of teams that do this. So I think it's a really interesting spot to be in. Uh, also, I want to say shout-out FC Dallas. You know, the homeboys, i uh, really proud of him there. But hopefully uh, it, it's another one of those things where you, you really hope he can grow into something. And I, I, I don't want to make it too much of a big case yet because I don't think Pavard is really kind of – lived up to what he was expected to do after the World Cup campaign that he had with France when they won it uh, in, you know, 2018. So I, I think that, because obviously at that at that time, the reason Bayern bought him, because Pavard was playing so well with France and their style of play, but Bayern played a little bit of a different style, obviously, than, uh, than France do. So I, I think that I think that Pavard just hasn't really panned out to what everybody's expectations were of him. So I think right now there's a whole lot of guys that you could bring in to maybe play right back over Pavard and the and in, in the way that Bayern Munich is playing. I just don't think he fits the style very well. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the season goes, but uh hoping for the best.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to follow Richards and a team that is uh, you know, it's in Bundesliga. They they seem to they seem to be dominating, or not. I shouldn't say dominate, but dominating every year. I should say so. Um, even though Bayern has had, they've already they have had a loss under their belt already this season. They they won again this past weekend over Hertha Berlin, uh, entertaining match. Let's go on to our other U.S. player in the Bundesliga, Gio Reyna. This guy is 17 years old. He's he's three years uh, younger than me. If you're doing the math. Um, youngest player to dish out a hat trick of assists in Bundesliga history, and uh, so with, with him and Erling Haaland, from seeing the highlights, they they seem to be uh, an electric young duo going at it. And so I I feel like this could be this could be a bit of a two part question for you both because uh, he is a everyone was talking about how Christian Polisic needs a little bit of help in the attack and Gio Reyna. He's of course involved in, in helping the attack, maybe not a goal scorer, but he's a midfielder. And so um, I think, I feel like we the last time we talked about the U S was maybe back earlier this year. So can you, can we get an update on what your guys' opinions are about the U S right now, as far as their development and players being signed in Europe and how they've been performing in Europe and, What's the, what's an update? Is it a positive update? Is it a positive, is it trending in a positive direction as maybe since let's say, yeah, six months ago.
2: Okay. Sorry. I didn't know if you're going to add any more. Um, we do got to start off with uh, Joe Reyna is three years, three years younger than me as well. So just so people keep in count, you know, we got to make sure uh, we're straight up with that. Um, but when you look at us and Again, I'm always a downer on the U.S. talent, and I know Miller's more uh, excited and pushes for it. But the thing is, we always get this tells, oh, they're so excited. You, you like exciting players, duh, a duh. And then they, they fail. They, they're getting at the stage where they should be and starting to develop and things like that. But this is the important part. They, these are the times where you need those players to big it big into leagues. Like Christian Pulisic, he, he's a star. I think we all can agree he can carry that U.S. team, and there's no issue because we see what he did at Borussia. He, he, was, he was carrying himself. He was becoming a star. He made it big, and then he went to the Premier League and made it big. And that kind of transition needs to happen more, like Sergino Des. He's made, he, made, he started making it big in Ajax. Now he's going to go to Barcelona. He's going to make it big. And imagine this. I mean, you could have a Des who's the, the clear uh, starting right back at Barcelona be representing uh, the U S you know, in that sense. So I think the situation like that, they're starting to figure out the formula that maybe the MLS is not our best way that we're going to bring the best people out. This is not how we're going to develop them. I mean, we, we never knew uh, Alfonso Davies was someone until he made it to Bayern Munich. I mean, not, not a fall out of the MLS, but I mean, you can't truly become the next level until you leave the U S in that situation. So, and I think the, uh, the academies are starting to figure out how to develop players more in the US in situations like that. So compared from six months to now, I think it's positive. You have people like De La Fuente, you have people like Gio Reyna, things like that, that are starting to look better. And I think they have the brightest future of the North American, it's the CONCACAF regional. I think they, they can own that part, but they're still not on the likes of Brazil, Germany and things like that, which is fine. You don't need to be but you gotta build your way to that. And that means continued success. So don't bank off on just the likes of these players. Focus on also, it's weird to say, but focus on 14, 15 year olds as well. And, and their development. I mean, locally we have Phoenix Rising, a 14 year old play played in his debut and he's supposed to be an upcoming star. And he looks like he is. I mean, things like that are positive. And something that's interesting about Gio Reyna that I'm gonna fire pass it on to uh, my new buddy, Mr. Miller McKinney, uh, he was born in England. So, I mean, you, you're convincing that those type of players to come join and play you in the U.S. is the start of revolution too, because I think something a lot, of, a lot of people had the chance to play for U.S., but declined because of what they've seen in the past that they're not successful. But now you're starting to convince players slowly and surely, that's what you need to do. So, positive all around for U.S. in that situation. Uh, Mr. McCainy, uh, how do you feel about the situation? About Gio Reyna, huh?
0: I mean, just about the
2: U.S. as a whole, but also deal right now. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I think the U.S. as a whole are doing, uh, I mean, what they need to be doing. There's not really a whole lot else that I think that they can really do. Honestly, it just takes time. It's one of those things where as long as you bring in the youth and you, you try and develop your guys and have them go play other places where they can get better, I think that the, it just takes time. So in terms of the U.S., I think they're doing the right thing. the the players are doing the right stuff and hopefully they can get the most out of it and put something together in the next couple of years to actually make a world cup entertaining but Gio Reyna as a player is very filthy (laughs) Is very filthy he you know he may only be 17 and maybe he's one of those guys that doesn't end up panning out in five or six years and being what he should be but Right now, he looks really good. I mean, Dortmund are so fun to watch already with Holland being there, scoring all these go- goals, and, and Sancho's playing well. And, you know, they've, they've got Julian Brandt and some other guys there that are pretty good at what they do. And it's just really exciting to see somebody that's 17 years old being able to pop into the squad and, and you know, assist a couple goals here and there, just make some people look silly. So, I, I don't know. I, I really like the kid, and I, I think that there's a lot to be said about him right now. Um, but I, I think that, you know, as long as they keep playing in these uh, foreign leagues and with these bigger teams, they can get a lot of mentoring and a lot of development going and and hopefully these guys can get a lot better.
1: It's all about getting the right coaching and, and finding the right fit and that's, a, I think it's a, a good indication of these two of, have uh, of shown that the US and their development, it's it's going to be a, a build up, it's going to be a process, but that it is in a a positive direction uh, since we last talked about them, since we last uh, brought this up in the conversation. So let's now move on to our final two segments of this show as we begin to wrap it up here on this Friday. Let's get to our Miller Time segment where our own Miller McCaney is going to uh, profile a a couple of games that, you know, maybe you're feeling cheeky with your money this weekend. You, you, You don't mind spending some bucks on it. Might as bet, well. your house. Uh, bet your
2: house, bet your house. I'm telling bet, you, do oh, your international games.
1: Bet the, bet the house, or as Miller likes to say, the kitchen sink. He said that last week. So, uh, there's some no. good
2: international games to do it, man. I mean, oh, yes, indeed. France, France, Portugal, man. All I'm saying, that game is nice. So, might be worth the bet of the house and the sink and make it interesting. But, Woo! Miller, time. It's all up to you, man. Whatever it, you say, I'm putting a million dollars on
0: in my whole tuition. That's, on, so that's, pressure's on that's your- really tough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. You're not getting your money back for this one, all right? <laughs> okay, so over about the next week or so, there's a lot of games going on. Um, I'm going to be honest, there's, there's some real, real interesting matchups here that you wouldn't normally see. So, to be honest, it's really tough. But I, I, there's a couple games I want to highlight. So, these are a little bit later. These are about a week from today. There's a couple games that I want to talk about. Um, Belgium and Switzerland are going to play each other.
2: Good game, good game.
0: I think, yeah, obviously it should be a, a better game to watch. But, obviously, we're, we're sending the kitchen sink on Belgium because they should never lose to Switzerland ever with the talent that those boys have out there. Um, another really good game that we're hoping for is Netherlands and Spain the same day. I personally would take out a loan and bet it all on Spain in this game. Oh, heck yeah, I like that. So that way when when you win the money, you could pay the half back to the bank that you owe them, and then you can walk away with the other half. Um, so I, I would say to bet on Spain in this game because the Netherlands play today um, didn't look that great. Gotta be honest, didn't didn't look too impressive. So I, I, I and Spain played Portugal today, and I think Spain and Portugal is one of those games that's going to start to become more of a European classic every year that we watch it until Ronaldo retires. Because the games, while Ronaldo's playing and Spain, have a bunch of really good talent all the time. Those games are always really interesting. Adama Traore played well today as well. So that was really interesting to watch. So I think those, this Spain-Netherlands game could have something similar to that. Um, and then another game that I would say probably bet a lot of money on. Oh, man, it, it's, it's really tough. Because this could really go either way, but next Tuesday there's a friendly, and Edwin, this game's near and dear to your heart. Japan is playing Ivory Coast. Oh, heck yeah! Bring me some Kubo, lay the house on Ivory Coast.
2: <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You don't understand, Kubo is filthy. That Japan team is gonna be.
0: No. <laughs> Kubo can only play one position, not 11 for him. Pulisic can only play one, <laughs> one position, but he carries that team at times. That's fair. But <laughs> that being said, if you have the money, lay it down on Ivory Coast. Japan's a decent team. Ivory Coast is also a decent team. But historically, Ivory Coast have been – a team that can play in these tough games and really edge out these matches is one of the best teams in Africa. So I'm going to say that. Edwin might not agree with me, no, but I'm, I would say that.
2: I'm going to go – I'm going to do a first in Miller time. I'm a, You know, if I was a money man, I'm going to put my house and money on a game. And something that's going to happen this this upcoming days is, is the World Cup qualifiers, the CONMEBOL World Cup qualifiers that I think the best qualifiers in the world – they're the toughest ones even against the smaller teams you're going to look bad but if i were to bet my money i would take that money to coast off and i'm putting it on brazil versus peru and the situation there peru's not without the top scorer of paulo guerrero the culebra they're not without fart fun their two best players are not going to be there Brazil's is going to bring a Neymar, Richarlison, Coutinho, Everton, players that are performing very well right now. The only situation is they don't have their keeper. Allison is hurt, but I mean, you have Ederson. When you have a situation where Ederson's your backup, I think you're pretty, you're pretty uh, safe in that situation. So, if I were to put my house and and you know money on anything, I think I'm putting it on the Brazil Peru game. And I wouldn't say that normally because Peru with those two players are a pretty good team, but. Not without those two teams, I think Brazil can win comfortably.
1: Oh, am I surprised by that? <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move on to our very last segment here. Thanks again, uh, Miller. He's been wearing a lot of different hats today. He's been putting on the, the teacher <laughs> hat. He's been putting on our, our regular guest panel hat. He's been putting on our our, uh, our um, you know our, our bavada hat for once. And uh, now we move on to Mr. Edwin Perez. Who has our latest Edwin segment, and he's going to wrap up our show for us, Mr. Perez.
2: Welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast, listeners. Because I know this ain't going to make the radio cut. Because I know the timing situation. I understand this. Uh, so uh, I'm giving the I know I know it's true. Don't even uh, come at me right now. Uh, but we're going to return to a different game. We're gonna return to a one that you both like playing. And it was my jersey game. We are gonna play that game where I have jerseys. It's the international break. I have quite a few international jerseys on deck. I think all of them are out. If not, I do have a list right next to me to prove them wrong. And instead of this week, a lot of them don't have players. So you have so sometimes you do, you can get a three-pointer if you can get the you're gonna get the country the color of the jersey, so you're going to have to know at least a little, a little bit about the uh, colors of the countries and things like that, and then the player sometimes. So you, there is possibility of three points. There is a country that does have four jerseys on it. That's the – you're going to make your most – oh, there's two actually. There's two countries, but, but the one country has three player jerseys on it, so one of them doesn't have a player on the back. So that's a lot of points. You do hit it. Um, I believe Miller won last time, so I, I do have to give him the right to, uh, to go first this time, and I'm going to let him go. And like I said, it's going to be country, the color of the jersey. So, like, let's say if it's a 4-1, you have to tell me, oh, yeah, I mean, for example, I'm trying to think of one I don't have, um, a pair wide. Let's say it's a pair wide, and I have four of them. You have to tell me, oh, yeah, three reds and one white and things like that. So, we do do that, but Miller, tell me the country you're going to go with first. All right, Netherlands, Orange. Oh, okay, okay. There's uh, there is a player on it. There is a player on it. So it's for another easy point. van Dyke. That is correct. A three-pointer already off the bat. You see, that's easy, Gareth. But I think you have an easy one that you can get for quite a lot of points, but I do gotta show it off, you know. And I think it's a nice jersey that is original. Pretty pretty clean jersey, if I say so myself. But Gareth, here you go.
1: Let's go with uh... Uh, I the only I can I go with your exotic France jersey, the white one?
2: Oh, yeah, that's a classic one. That's a special player one, the too. Classic
1: Neymar Jr. Jr. Jersey. <laughs> Wait, so you uh, Brazil, uh, France actually has two, so you have to tell okay, so you have, France, you're have to tell France me. France white, France white, France white, like both of them, yeah. And then isn't it, isn't it Neymar Jr. Jr. on the back?
2: And there's another player,
1: um
2: hmm so I'm gonna give you the point. There's one white, uh, yeah, but the other one is the black and blue. One Such of them is Neymar Jr., junior, junior my uh, you know, my uh, all star player, my uh, player for both <laughs> clubs, and then is uh, Nicolo Conte. Oh, wow, I not I, I mean, that's a classic, crazy truly. So, you got two French players, that's two points. You got the color, you got one of the players, so you got four points, okay. Four points out of that situation. I don't remember. I
1: do not remember the Conte jersey, but you know what? Now I know.
2: It's a nice jersey. It is a nice jersey. So it says that about uh, the jersey. And hey, 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 hey! You're right because I have a good, I have a good selection of jerseys. All right, and I I pick smart ones.
1: More like two so,
2: jerseys. Miller,
0: your go. <laughs> this one, I'm gonna go Japan white.
2: Japan
0: white. Okay.
2: Uh, I'm not gonna give you the white because it is more gray, but you're all right. It is Japan so oh. I will give you the one pointer right there. Okay. Uh, so it is tied 4 to four. Uh, let me just write that down and Garrett this is your go so you can start choosing your country.
1: Uh, hmm. let's, let's go with uh, Let's go with uh, Spain. Okay, sorry, just
2: making sure. Uh, Yes, what color are you going to go for, bud? Red. Ah, it's two-pointer for you, bud, nice job. It's a nice red jersey, World Cup jersey. Oh, yeah. So that's a two-pointer, so you're in the lead with six. And again, you guys are missing on some big-pointer ones, I think some obvious ones, personally, but I'm not going to give you any more clues than that. But, Miller, it's your go. All right, I'm going to go Brazil. Bingo, here's four, and here's the situation, Miller. There is three of them have players on the back. So this is a big pointer if you can figure it out. So there are four jerseys. I'll start getting them. Uh, before you say your color, I'm just going to make sure and check. Okay. Tell me the colors you think they are.
0: Okay. I know there's one blue at least. Okay. Uh, I'd say one yellow for sure. Okay. Um. Let
2: me do actually. Let me do three yellow and one blue. Actually, hold on. Let me misinformation. They actually have five Brazil jerseys. Jeez.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, (laughs) If you want to add another more, so that's five points as is. Uh, So what color are you gonna say that fifth jersey is? Yeah, three yellows, one blue.
0: I'll go. I'll go three and two. Three and two.
2: I can't tell you. Believe you got the yellow right. Let me check. Let me confirm.
1: Look at him, he's sorting all his jerseys out there.
2: <laughs> Actually, you got the yellow. You got, so there's two yellows. So I'll give you those two points. So that's plus two. Right. And two blues. That is correct. I do have two two blues, but I do have a white one. A white, okay. So um, you do have nine points so far for this question alone. Now I need, now you there's players. There's players on the back. And, okay. So you could basically oh, this, like the, this is like the daily double, man. <laughs> it is. I, I don't know why you didn't choose my favorite country. That's literally <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I mean, I thought
1: it was gonna be one player at a time. I guess for sure.
2: No, I mean, if you guess the country, I mean, you got you get the full bank. I mean, there's another country that's a lot of points too.
0: Okay. All right. Okay. So am I just gonna guess the players now?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just guess the players. I mean, if you do guess, uh, there is hold on one yeah so there's four player uh player names on the back so okay. I'll give you four. one of
0: them has to be Neymar okay so you're gonna guess one Neymar one Neymar okay um I'll guess oh huh, this is tough um I'm gonna guess let's see Man, I just don't know what players you would really enjoy having on the back of your jersey from Bruce you play
2: smart. I, I'm not going to give you any more clues because you already have a lot of points, but if you played it smart, you could get it easy points.
0: Okay, I'll say one of them is Richarlison. Interesting. Okay. So, Richarlison, Neymar. Okay. Um, I'll say Danny Alves for another one. Okay. And, and, and then for my final one, I'm going to say Firmino. Hmm.
2: Uh, the players that are on the back are the white Pele. I got a white Pele. I got a blue Coutinho and okay. two Neymars. Okay. Wow. <laughs> two Neymars. <laughs> okay. But so we're going to add up your points real quick. Oh my that is, gosh. That is 10 points for Miller. So he's in the lead 14 to six. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty comfortable, you would say the least. I told you there's some easy ones that I, you live next door. You should be able to guess them easy.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna go into your closet and just snoop around your jerseys for like.
2: No, but there's some obvious ones like Brazil, my favorite team. Obviously, I'm gonna have a lot of jerseys. Yeah, I
1: know, I know. I didn't want to go with the obvious one first, but maybe in hindsight, maybe I should have because I would have had such a fat lead, man.
2: (laughs) There's some, there's some points (laughs) you can get.
1: um, Have we said? Have we said Portugal? We have not.
2: And uh, Katie, guess the color white uh i believe you're incorrect let me double check oh man yeah yeah, you are incorrect it's definitely red i definitely remember that
1: is there a player on the back
2: uh there is not i hate to inform you
1: oh my
2: god God. so it's a one-point slide Seven, seven to fourteen. Again, you're 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 missing some obvious ones. I I might as well just forfeit here. Miller's gonna run away with (laughs) it. No, I mean if he gets the next two, if he gets the big one and gets them all right, it's over. I mean, I'm gonna go
0: Columbia yellow.
2: Oh man, oh man, Columbia's another (laughs) four-one. Oh man, the Columbia's a big one right there. That is four points. You know what? This will end the game. But I'm curious. Let me pull up my four Columbia ones. Uh okay. Yep, yep. And there's
0: a player. There's one player, but guess the color of the jerseys. Of the four? Yeah, of the four. Okay. I'll say two yellow, one red, one white.
2: I'll give you two uh so it's actually three yellow, one red. Okay. So two yellow and you said red, so you get three points, so that's a seven pointer and now you can guess the player for the eight eight points
0: it has to be okay there's still only two possible options here yeah you're, not you're foul cow or james
2: Ooh. uh you know i feel bad and i'm gonna say this since the game's basically over after this i'm gonna say it's none of the two it's neither of the two no it's a player i truly enjoy we talk about him a bit in the show he's uh one of the well known, one of the, you know, he plays in a bigger team. You know, he, he's not as dominant, he's kind of older, but he, he he's kind of a fun player. He uh, he kind of plays like in the right mid right role. You know, he plays in that right side. Man, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's Quadrado.
0: Oh. oh okay. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I didn't think about him. All right.
2: You know, Garrett, you know, just to give you a, a at least a, a good second place, I'll double the points. This is this will end it off because Miller clearly wins. But with that point added, I think it's like he's over 20 and you're at seven. But yeah, well, to give you a it's so you can just say it's over. No, no, no. I'll give you one. I'll give you one two. chance here. Here, this is fair. This is fair. All right. Oh, I'll no. give you so I have. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give you two options, either Mexico or U.S. And one of those two, I have two jerseys. That's two colors and two players. If you get this one, at least you have a more closer lead. This is basically 7-2. You right. lose,
1: though. If you're first, you're last, as Ricky Bobby said.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. But, I mean, it's better than losing 7-2, you know. All right, I will go with Mexico. Okay, that's correct. I, I like where you're starting. All right, what's the colors of the jerseys? Uh, green and white. Yeah, one of them right. It is. It's green and black. Ah. Now guess the two players. Now I will give you a hint. One of them is just. Both of them are just huge names in Mexico. When you think of Mexico, you got you think of these players. One more recently, plays for a big club, um, in Italy. and one place, uh, one just a big name who used to be used to grace the Premier League for a little bit, and then he dipped.
1: So one is definitely Chicharito.
2: Oh, you're right. That is the a...
1: other one I am not as sure on, but. I
2: know it. <laughs> yeah, he, I think he knows it. Uh they even oh made-
1: uh, i know i know chucky lazano
2: there we go there you go so you didn't lose that's bad now you got yeah! some and after the score it's like 12 to like 22 is last time i checked <laughs> i mean there's a few and
1: whenever if sky sports interviews me on the post-game interview they're gonna be like what's the reason you lost and i said well my opponent just got the daily double He got got like twenty of his point. He got like half of his points on just one question. (laughs) Don't get it like that. I guess it's it's life is unfair, as they say.
2: Hey Garrett, for a moral victory, which is my favorite jersey, and it's not one that I mentioned already.
1: Um,
2: I like it because of the cool design. I think it's so unique. I I should give you a hint.
1: International jersey.
2: Yeah, it's international jersey. Um. Think of like a team that has like cool jerseys, like really cool that always kill it, as people say on social media.
1: Oh, the Nigeria jersey.
2: Yeah, my favorite jersey baby is the Nigeria. Hey, the
1: jersey. African teams, they they produce some very very nice high quality jerseys.
2: All right, but you yeah. got to give the win to Miller a Filthy win, truly. You know, two. I think that's two and zero in uh, this the last few, maybe three and zero. Two and, o,
1: o and two. <laughs> Uh, it's okay we're gonna we're gonna come back with a vengeance next week but uh we are long overdue here on this podcast (laughs) thank you again for that beautiful segment and uh final thoughts final words from you gentlemen
2: watch the corner bowl world cup qualifiers i cannot reiterate it it's the most entertaining qualifiers and i'm not going to give a whole segment because we don't have the time but playing in bolivia You think it's easy, but the players literally run out of breath and they literally can't breathe after the game because it's so hard to play in Bolivia. Then you go face in Ecuador, where it's a little hotter, Chile, where it's a little the humidity is a little different. Like that makes the Copa Ball so interesting and so hard that a team like Brazil realistically could lose to Bolivia, and people in Copa Ball wouldn't be as mad because it's so hard to play there. So definitely give it a watch. Uh, Games to watch, I'll give you. Uh Brazil versus Bolivia. I think Brazil is headed to Bolivia, so that match is always interesting. And Uruguay Chile, two good big South American teams facing off each other early on, always makes for an interesting matchup. So Uruguay Chile, Brazil, Bolivia. Um those are two great games. So definitely watch that. Maybe don't put your house because it's so interesting, but Brazil-Peru, I'll put the house on.
0: I I would say Just have a good time playing FIFA 21. Really soak it in and enjoy it. I've had a great time playing it so far. So if, if you have a chance to play it, sit down for a couple hours and really enjoy it. It makes you remember why you love and hate the game.
1: Exactly why you love and hate playing it, especially when you play weekend league. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll get into that another time. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of dissecting the Pitch. Thank you again for tuning in and for tuning in here on blazeradioonline.com, as well as on our channels at Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. But for my co-hosts, Edwin Perez and Miller McKinney, hope you have a great weekend ahead. Watch some soccer, do whatever you need. And uh, we will be back here next week for more soccer talk. So thank you again, and uh, we will see you all next time.